Hello and welcome to On The Way Moments, our award-winning podcast from St. Anthony on the Desert Episcopal Church here in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. On this podcast, we have the opportunity and privilege of hearing interesting people share some stories about uh, their lives and their experiences. Uh, I'm Will Strong, your host today. And on today's episode, we welcome John Tom. Uh, John has been very active in the outreach ministry here at St. Anthony uh, especially with our ministry to Haiti and, um, and Habitat for Humanity. So welcome, John. Thank you, Will. It's a pleasure to be here. It's good to have you here. So we're going to talk a little about, um, you know, kind of Haiti a little bit, but I, I think the majority we're going to spend talking about um, kind of Habitat for Humanity and how people get involved. But before we do that, would you give us a little background about yourself? Sure, love to. Um, so I'm a native Minnesotan. I grew up in the land of snow and cold. And... Um, I was raised in the exurbs of Minneapolis. Okay. You know, so kind of the outer fringe of the suburbs. And I was raised in a conservative Lutheran church and spent my adult life largely away from the church. I found that very conservative viewpoints and my worldview started to diverge, and as a result of it, kind of walked away from things. But in spite of that, I always thought of myself as maybe being in that spiritual, not religious category. And um, in my adult life, I, for example, I moved here first in 1973. Okay. Uh, that was after having a near epiphany one morning when I got out of my apartment. I just finished college. I was working, and I got out to my car in the middle of October, and I had to scrape ice off my windshield. <laughs> and I thought, you know, there really ought to be a better way. <laughs> I think that's why a lot of us get here. <laughs> I, I think so. Yeah. Eventually. Anyway. Yeah. And so I called a friend of mine, uh, he and I were good friends in college, and he had moved out to Arizona. And I said, how's the job outlook? And he said, I have an opening, I could hire you. Nice. I said, I'll be there in three days. Wow. So, <laughs> and so I packed up my car, uh, drove down nice. with you know whatever you can fit in a car, and that's what I arrived with. And um, fortunately, I knew a couple of other people down here, so it gave me a way to get established and get started, mm -hmm. gave me a place to stay and all of that. Um, so my career really got its, its start here, okay. and um, then eventually got transferred to Colorado where I spent about 15 or 16 years, nice. and I've spent most of my life cycling between here in Colorado, even a return back to Minnesota for a while, which was a great reminder that it really is cold there, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, eventually ended back here. But you know, something happened along the way, and this it goes into the early 2000s, where uh, you know, having been away from the church for a long time, I had a friend who um, invited me to attend a uh, Unity Church in Boulder, Colorado, where I was. Uh, I had been working for a company outside of Boulder for a while, and I, I don't know if you're familiar with Unity, but it's a liberal, non-denominational Christian church, and I was taken with um, church is different. You know, there is a way to have a spiritual life and, you know, become Christian and not have to subscribe to necessarily very fundamental religious philosophy yeah. and, and theology. And so that sort of brought me back to becoming a churchgoer. Okay. Um, and at that time, I had a job, job opportunity here. And so I moved here and I started attending the Unity Church. Okay. And that was kind of the beginning of how I got involved in, in Habitat. Okay. So um, 
you know, coming down here did a couple of things for me, you know, kind of evolved my involvement with church in yeah. general. And it was really, you know, shortly after that that I met Cindy. Okay. And Cindy being a member here brought me into here. And so, nice. you know, that kind of evolved into a whole different set of things. Right. So you kind of mentioned uh, because of the Unity Church, you kind of got involved with Habitat. Um, is that, am I correct in that? Yeah, actually. So my first volunteer experience was with the Unity here. Oh, nice. uh, they were helping sponsor a house. And so they had a build going on. And I thought, because I peripherally been aware and interested and I thought well I'm gonna go and, and do it and so I'm gonna see what it's like and so I joined that build and first day on the job site I thought well this is pretty cool you know it's a combination of camaraderie and I didn't really get a lot of the bigger picture initially but the camaraderie and you know the building and all of that was was fun yeah you know, I enjoyed it and so I started volunteering you know here and there for mm -hmm. a year or a couple of years. And then people started saying, you know, you seem to be pretty good at this. <laughs> you should really consider being a team leader. And I said, uh, I don't <laughs> think so. You know, I'm not sure that that's really that's what, I want to what I'm here for. Yeah. And so I, I resisted that for a couple of years. And then um, I was on a build site one day and I was working with a house leader I had not worked with before. <laughs> And he said, I'd like to have you be on my team. Mm -hmm. And you can start as a team leader in training. And so um, I finally said, okay. So in the next build season, I said, okay, I'll be a team leader in training on your build site, which you're referred to as a brown shirt at that point in time. Okay. So I showed up for the first Saturday. We're about halfway through the day and he said, okay, you're done with your training. You're gonna be a team leader. <laughs> and here you go, you know, so. That really got me started and kind of also introduced me to the bigger picture of Habitat. And, um, you know, at that point in time, and for people who are not familiar with it, when you become a team leader, you're essentially signing up to follow a house from beginning to end. Oh, nice. And so that's about a 13 to 16 week under normal circumstances that uh, you're going to be committed to a house during the course of the build. Oh, wow. And so. Um, you don't necessarily have to be there every week, right. but, you know, so for team leaders who were still employed as I was at that point in time, uh, that usually means every Saturday. Okay. You know, yeah. in, in the situation I'm in right now where I've been since re retired, there's a lot of us that will work one or two, but in some cases maybe, maybe even more, mm -hmm. uh, days during the week additionally to kind of do some of the fill-in work and fix nice. mistakes and things like that. And uh, so I'm now up to doing most weeks three days, okay. you know, Saturday and a couple of weekdays, sometimes just two. Right, right. It's sort of what I do. Okay. So the, I mean, we are, we know how, what Habitat is, but what, how does it operate, if you don't mind sure. sharing? Um, Habitat was founded in 1976 by uh, Miller and Linda Fuller. In America's, in America's Georgia. Uh, a lot of people think it was Jimmy Carter, right? Um, who has since gone on to be a you know, premier spokesman mm -hmm. for them and who has put together these annual builds of significant scale, yeah. of which I've been a part of a couple of them. And so with that beginning, uh, you know, in 76, started very 
small, right. you know, a few houses. And it's now gotten to the point of where, although I don't have the number of houses, there's 500 chapters around the world. Wow. And, and, you know, homes numbering into the tens of thousands that are built every year. So, um, it, it, Habitat's it's Christian faith-based right. organization, um, but it will build for anybody, faith, no faith, okay, um, any faith. Oh, interesting. And yeah. so, the it's really designed to help people who are, are in need of affordable housing right. and not necessarily a specific group of people by faith or any other right. qualifications. Right. Um, the Habitat supported largely by the faith community and major corporations, also smaller businesses and individuals. And um, you know, example of that would be the Episcopal Habitat Coalition, mm -hmm. which is what St. Anthony is a part of. Mm -hmm. And the, the coalition is the number varies a little bit by year, but typically about 18 Episcopal churches throughout the valley that have gotten together. Um, they got together originally as a group in the latter part of the 90s. Oh, wow. And uh, Grant Gilfeather was one of the wow. original founding members <laughs> of it. And um, so faith organizations like the Episcopal Habitat Coalition are very fundamental to the success of Habitat. As a matter of fact, the Episcopal Coalition, I believe, is the second largest donor to the local chapter wow. of all of the, the organizations that are that are contributing financially. And then we also have been a significant contributor over the years with volunteer labor. Coming out of COVID, yeah. because there, there was a, a brief pause, and we can talk more about that, but this is the beginning of the resurgence of getting some of the corporate groups back oh, in. Oh, great. That's great. And so we're now getting the large groups and significant volunteers on weekends nice. where for a period of a year and a half, yeah. you know, there was a, a kind of a, a dearth of volunteers. Yeah. And, and, and you kind of touched on that a little bit about the, because I, I think of any time a house is paused or, or a, not a significant amount of, of volunteers, we're running into more of the crisis. And you mentioned the housing crisis, and so um, you want to talk a little about that or explain? Yeah, um, th there's a housing crisis in the U.S. Absolutely, yeah, and it's manifesting itself in a lot of ways. You know, there are some of us who have been homeowners for a period of time that are all excited about the fact that our homes in the last 18 months have appreciated 20, 30, 40 percent. Right. You know, that's nice, but at the same time, on the other end, you have the people who really don't have, you know, right. the, the means and all of the activity in the housing market has really uh, exacerbated the low-end prices. And an interesting thing that I was not really aware of until fairly recently is that part of this crisis has been building for over 40 years. Mm -hmm. and, and it's driven to some degree by the fact that if you go back into the 60s and 70s, or about a half million or so, uh, don't quote me on the numbers, but right. in the neighborhood of the starter homes that were built by the large home builders every year and that has slowly deteriorated you know each decade you watch it go down to the point of right now where there's maybe between 50 and 75,000 starter homes that are being built wow. and so for the people who are coming into the market whether it be Millennials which are coming in big time yeah. other new homer homeowners it's becoming very difficult for them to even find something that they could buy right much less afford right and that's created this this class of people who really 
are living substandardly which is what's creating the the population that habitat is really designed to serve and a lot of the habitat homeowners are people who are living quite possibly you know with a very extended family and a one or a two bedroom apartment right you know and probably not a very nice apartment right. or a small home that's overcrowded there's a large population of which habitat is, is able to serve a portion of that but yeah. it's, you know there's a significant need even well beyond habitat yeah for sure how much can be done varies a little bit by what's going on in the world at, at right. large you know coming off of the uh, 2008 housing crisis right. and uh, you know economic debacle that we had at that point in time there was the ability to get a lot of land cheap because developers had gone in they were going bankrupt mm. and so uh, there were a lot of government programs at that point in time and the local habitat chapter finished in one year the highest number of homes it's ever done which was about a little over 60 or 60 wow. some odd homes in, in one particular year because <clears throat> the conditions were right slowly the government money started going away mm -hmm. and the uh, ability to come up with the land the numbers like that have uh, slowly deteriorated fortunately we've been in a position now where the city of phoenix city of tempe have put together programs because they realize that they have significant affordability problems right. with, within their communities and uh, tempe has been very progressive phoenix has been very generous uh, Right now, I mentioned the six lots mm -hmm. that we're building mm -hmm. up right now on one block. That's part of a group of 31 homes where the city of Phoenix came up with the land for habitat. Wow. It's not just all about new homes. Right. Um, habitat has a uh, program that will refurbish homes. Yeah, that's what I thought I remember here. So yeah. re-hearing that. Yes. Um, they also will have an emergency repairs program, okay. which has really served the senior community very well because you get a lot of seniors on fixed income right. living off social security, probably not a lot of money. They may own their home, but they have no money to be able to afford a roof repair or a deteriorating porch or replace their HVAC. So Habitat is a program that helps them bring their house back up to livable conditions. Nice. Also neighborhood revitalization. They have gone in with a paint up, fix up, um, the kind of work that you with the youth group have done right. on mission trips Absolutely. in previous years where, where you go in and paint somebody's porch or replace and help out where you like that. To, yeah. Yep. Oh, nice. They also went in and developed a community park and they're doing oh, wonderful. Uh, also, you know, cleaning up some of the, the uh, blight and other things that are, are problems within that neighborhood. So the idea is to, to build neighborhoods that are much better than they, you know, previously been. And I think we see that sometimes too, like if I notice when our neighbors start painting, we're like, oh, do we need to do something too? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just one of those things that, you know, we're, we're all in this together and it is our community. Yeah, we all need motivation sometimes, Absolutely. you know, and there's nothing like your neighbor coming <laughs> up their house and like, oh man. <laughs> no, I, yeah, that's, that's exciting. And, you know, so the great thing about that, all of that, is that Habitat home, homeowners and their families have an improved outcome, mm -hmm. you know, it's proven that they have better financial health, they uh, have kids that go to college where otherwise they may not have been able to go to college. You know, so the, the long-term outcome for people like that is significantly enhanced by what they've been able to, to achieve. A lot of people that believe that people are getting free homes. Right, and that's and not true. No, you're correct, it is not true. And so Habitat is being thought of as a hand-up, not a hand-out program. Right. And there's, there's a series of qualifications that people have to go through in order to be able to participate in, in the program. And 
So they actually have to be able to afford a mortgage. Now, they get assistance in that it's a 0% interest mortgage, and they, there's a cost advantage by getting a house that's been built with largely volunteer labor right, and things like that. But, I mean, they still pay a, a not insignificant amount for the house, right, but it right. becomes much more affordable that way. They also have to have a history of good credit, okay. you know, so they have to be shown that they can afford to do it. They have to be a citizen or permanent resident of the United States. Um, they have to currently live in inadequate or substandard housing. And they also have to be willing to put in two to 400 hours worth of sweat equity, either by building on job sites or working in the habitat offices or working in the habitat resource oh, or doing something like that. Yeah. So that is essentially a pretty good part of their down payment. Yeah. Well, actually that is their down payment. Is it's the like 200 to 400 hours. Yep, exactly. Wow. And so a lot of people that come into the program when they first apply may not be of creditworthy status. Right. And so Habitat works with them, and there are people that may come in and, and in one year they're ready to go, but there are other people that Habitat's worked with over a three-year period to pay down debt, establish, reestablish their credit. Yeah. And um, so at the end of the day, their financial picture looks pretty close, other than from an income standpoint, to what you would need to get like an FHA loan, okay. something like that. Yeah. So, so it's, 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 it's not just house building, it's also financial planning and, and Yes, and, ready. And, and looking at the longer term, yeah. they have classes in home ownership, so it's okay. not only just to get to the house, but continuing through how to you know how to keep it, maintain it, maintain its value yeah. over the long term. So as far as like the um, their their mortgages, I realize that it's different from person to person, but is it is it based off of? I mean, how do they how do they determine the mortgage? Uh, it it, it is based on the value of the house. Yeah. There is an established value for the house. With COVID right now, what does that what does that even look like? I know you talk about them coming back, but so it, it sort of went in phases. Yeah. At the beginning of COVID, where nobody knew what to do, and so we essentially shut the world down. Right. Um, Habitat shut down for a period of probably about three months. Okay. And then as people started to get comfortable with masking and uh, all of that, uh, they determined that they weren't going to be bringing back the general volunteer population, but they decided that the team leaders could go in and at that point in time basically complete houses that had been under construction prior, right. to, prior to the shutdown. Then going into the fall, they decided that uh, they would start to allow volunteers. We actually had a pretty good build season in the last Habitat fiscal year, I think we competed, completed 16 or 18 houses. Oh wow! So that that was pretty good. Um, this year we'll be completing a little over 30. Wow! And so we're kind of getting back to building the, the larger numbers. I developed a real appreciation for the situations of the people that we're building for, seeing how devoted and committed and grateful these people are to be able to participate in a program like that yeah. and um, you know although I don't have a favorite homeowner I have a few that I've really appreciated and one was a, a woman um, who originally came um, from Ethiopia and she was the possibly the most committed homeowner nice. so she came up to me and she said I want to learn how to install, install the doorknobs because if I ever have one break, 
then I'll be able to replace it. One of the things that we, and maybe you, you've, you've kind of touched on it, but we always ask our, our guests is about an on the way moment of something that may have seemed a little, um, not, I don't like to use the term insignificant, but you know, maybe not as, as you know, I think you use the term epiphany, um, something that maybe changed the course of your, your faith walk or your walk. Well, I'm not sure if it's as much changed as it's reinforced. Um, I, th I think when you get to see, as I was mentioning, the gratitude and the grace mm -hmm. involved in the presentation of the home to the homeowner, yeah. you know, I, I think, and sometimes during the course of the build, this was especially true when we were building down in Haiti. Um, when you see an aspiring homeowner who's, in this case, she was hanging off of two by fours mm. by the roof of her house and you know, I look up there and you see this big smile on her face. And for those of you who have been to Haiti, you know that they're a very religious piece, people. And she was almost radiating. And I look up there, you know, and you have to say, well, this has to be the work of God, hmm. you know. So it, it's those sorts of experience yeah. that, you know, make you go, this, this is really worth the time, the effort, the money, and everything that goes into doing this. Absolutely. So. We thank you for your um, your time. Is there any way, how can people get involved with Oh, yeah, absolutely. With, with Habitat? One is give money. Right. The second one is show up to actually physically work on the job site. But that's only part of it. The um, There's a lot involved in getting somebody from being living in substandard conditions to actually being a homeowner. And so of the things that can be done, you know, granted, we really appreciate the financial contribution. Oh, for sure. And St. Anthony has been a very generous uh, parish. Right. You know, I, I welcome anybody who would like to work on a build site. There's no skills necessary. We teach people, you know, and, there, and there's a, over time a wide variety of things, everything from painting, which some people love, uh, unless you're a habitat leader, which you probably love it less because <laughs> you've done so many of them. But, you know, the, the other thing is there's, for people who like to work with people, there are things about working with the homeowners. You know, there are homeowner sponsors, okay, and there are faith partners, and these are the people that help guide them through their journey, potentially working with them for a period of two or three years wow. as they enter the program, work through the program. Uh, it helps them with everything from understanding how mortgages work to how do they improve their finances yeah. to. Uh, you know, personal coaching, anything like that mm -hmm. that they need to help this person to become ready to take ownership of the house. Interesting. There are the restores, you so, know, for people who would like to do a little bit of retailing work or shelf stocking or whatever, yeah. that people can volunteer with that. You can be an office angel at Habitat. You know, there's there's just a lot of different, lot of different ways so, rather than just showing yeah, up and you, giving money. Yeah, it, yeah, you don't have to be willing wielding a hammer or a paintbrush. There are a lot of different ways. That's good for me. I, I did one build and I was like, I, this is... This is this. Well, so, you know, Will, I have every confidence that we can turn you into a qualified I'm sure of time. it. Given some time. Given some time. No. Uh, well, John, we thank you so much for your time today. You're and, welcome. And the passion that you share for Haiti. And, and Habitat, both of them. <laughs> and uh, if you like our episode, give us a thumbs up. Give us a like. Uh, let us know how we're doing. And thank you so much. That's it for today. Bye.